Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Have I got a story for you. Isn't that a fun way to start a conversation? Like just to be prepared to enter into um, the day, enter into a conversation, enter into work, enter into, I don't know, picking up your kids, right? And be like, oh my goodness, have I got a story for you. Human beings are storytellers um, and life is this pile of stories in one way or another. Like, right, I I love to tell the story of, and then fill in the blank. My husband, Jim, loves to tell the story of um, of the day each one of his kids was, was born. He likes to tell them about um, the ways in which he prayed for them prior to getting to meet them in person. Um, he loves to tell them stories of when they were little that they don't have a living memory of, but he's reinforcing those bonds um, by telling them those stories. What are the stories you love to tell? Do you love to tell the story of the day your life was turned around by God, redeemed? Do you love to tell the story of um, the day you met your beloved or discovered you were beloved? Like, right, what what are the stories you love to tell? Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Proverbs 31, verse 8. And it is really about the responsibility that we have to tell the stories of those who cannot tell their own story. So consider all the ways in which God has blessed, equipped, and empowered you to tell a story. And then consider your responsibility to be a voice for the voiceless. Proverbs 31, verse 8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up. Speak up for the poor. Speak up for the helpless and see that they get justice. So consider for a moment, um, who doesn't have a voice? Who cannot speak up for themselves? And how are you as a Christian called to speak up for them. The ministry of the Voice of the Martyrs came quickly to mind as I was considering who who out there is speaking up for people who cannot speak for themselves or who who out there is elevating the stories of the voiceless in the culture today. The Voice of the Martyrs came to mind. Pro-life activists um, came to mind. People who literally speak for pre-born humans who cannot speak for themselves. Um, advocates for the aged came to mind, people who advocate on behalf of the elderly came to mind. Tim Tebow has um, a, a ministry called Rescue Them, and Rescue Them has something called the Unknown Campaign, and it is a 
major global campaign to fight human trafficking and the sexual slavery of children. And um, it's called Unknown because he wants those children to be identified. All these faces that are out there trafficked um, as Child pornography um, would be one way of describing it, but it is really child sexual exploitation. And Tim Tebow's unknown campaign seeks to identify, seeks to know the names of those children, tens of thousands of them around the world right now in this very moment who are unknown, who have no voice. Proverbs 31.8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Speak up for the poor, the helpless, and see that they get justice. I want you to be encouraged to be activated today to speak up for someone today who cannot speak up for themselves and join an effort that's out there, Voice of the Martyrs. Join a, join a pro-life effort to speak up for the pre-born. Join Tim Tebow in, in the unknown campaign. Um, find your voice in speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, I want to um, I want to talk about your swimming uh, today. Are you a surface swimmer? You stay right up there on the surface, you know, like you know, you paddle along. Maybe you don't. Even, you you try to get your maybe like I don't even want to get my hair wet kind of person, kind of a dog paddler. Are you a surface swimmer? Are you one of those people that, you know what, you like to know what's going on beneath the surface. You like to dive down deep. You like to, you like to dig in. Um, maybe you're even like one of those people that you're willing to go cave diving. Yeah. I would like to know. I'd like to hear from you. You can text me this morning, 877-933-2484. Surface uh, swimmer or a deep diver. These are the, uh, this is the question before me. This is what I want to know about you today. This is if we were sitting down uh, at your coffee table, which maybe we are, driving together to work. Where are we headed this morning, by the way? We going to school? Good morning to those of you headed to school today. Um, Are you a surface swimmer? You like to stay, you like to skim, skim the surface of things, you know, keep your head above water. You're a surface swimmer. Uh, Or are you a deep diver? And obviously I'm going to apply this conversation to the way we engage with what's going on in the world. So um, I will use the, uh, the image here of the rabbit hole, which maybe you know from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Um, and so are you, you know, you're going to stand there on the edge of the rabbit hole or are you going to jump down it? Because in order to change the system, in order to actually change the structure, you got you to gotta jump into the hole. Um, and there, there are a lot of things that we can observe at the surface level. There are a lot of things that we can look at. Um, we can, you know, we can look around in the world and we can observe that there are lots of things that are not as God would have them be. They are not good. They are not true. They are not beautiful. They are broken. Um, there is evidence of unrighteousness and sin. Like we could be pepper pickers all day long. Um, that's the way my sister describes it, where you just like pick out all the negative things going on around you, pepper pickers. Peter picked a whole peck of pickled peppers. Okay, that's a different story. Um, are you a pepper picker? Like, and what good does that do to just like stand around and pick pepper? 
See, it's about tilling the cultural soil of the day and actually figuring out what's going on beneath the surface, rooting out, rooting it out, uh, and then enriching that soil and replanting the word of God, um, sowing peace in the world, like actually doing the hard work of cultivating the culture in order that the culture might produce a harvest of righteousness to the glory of God. So if you're just going to um, be uh, swimming on the surface of things, you're just going to be you're going to be literally a pepper picker. You're going to because there's just a ton of bad stuff to see out there and you're going to see it all and you're going to point to it all. And you're going to be that negative ninny in every conversation and that you're no fun to be with. I guess I got to tell you, this is not it's no fun to be with that person. But if you're willing to start thinking at a systems level and dive down deep into the things going on in the culture of the day, yes, even down the rabbit hole where things are upside down and inside out and, and ridiculous. Um, now, we want you to stay tethered to the truth. I want you to um, stay in view of the light and all of that. But we got we to gotta get into it. So there's this systems thinker person whose name is Donella Meadows and uh, now deceased. But um, she applied systems dynamics to critical questions of human survival. Now, arguably, she did so um, from a non-theistic worldview. So that's important to know as we have this conversation. But it's also important to know that, you know, all truth is God's truth. And so if there's a person out there who's not a Christian who's pointing out truth, it's still truth. And so I want to use this quote from uh, Dana Meadows today. It is in the space of the mastery over paradigms. She's talking about worldview here. Like, right, we think about um, the, the Christian worldview, the lens through which we see everything versus the worldview that others see things through. And so how do you get over, you know, over and under to that side of things where you can actually see things from the perspective of the other? So that's what she's talking about. It is in this space of mastery over paradigms that people actually throw off addictions, make life change, live in constant joy, bring down empires. Yes, get locked up, burned at the stake, and crucified. They're also the ones who have impacts that last for millennia. So she is making an observation here. Um, you probably hear a reference in there to Jesus. Uh, she is making uh, an observation here about how the world really changes in dramatic ways through people who shift the worldview of others because they bring such radical, a radical different way of seeing things to bear. So I want you to think about the way Jesus creates this total paradigm shift in the way people think. How has Jesus changed the way you think? How has he changed you? How has he moved you to throw off addiction, the power of sin in life? How has, you, how has he brought you to a place where you live in constant joy? How has Jesus brought down the empire of the kingdoms of this world in order that he might build um, his kingdom? So when you, when you think about what's happening in the world, are you just looking at the surface? Or are you interested in um, those leverage points that really do transform systems, because that's what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about you and I actually pressing on the levers, the leverage points that don't just shift people's thinking. They actually shift reality itself. 
So if you've been wondering, what what is it that Carmen is doing every single day when she is trying to get us to not just look at the headlines, but read between the lines of the headlines um, to see what lies beneath, to understand the worldview um, and the factors that are pressing in, the words, the language, the storylines, the ideas, the ideology, um, the worldview that is really operating underneath what is happening. That, this is what I'm trying to do. That is what I'm, if you were wondering, like, what is she up to every day? That's it. So we're going to look at a few headlines of the day. This would be, you could look at this as pepper picking, like, right? Um, five pro-life activists found guilty of violating the FACE Act um, in D.C. Or the Fifth Circuit Court approving um, a restriction regarding sending abortion drugs through the mail. Um, or uh, Michigan parents having to sue the school district for a secret policy of allowing boys to use girls' bathrooms. You could look at that and you could be like, oh, it's pepper picking. It's all the bad stuff that's happening out there. Yeah, or we could look beneath those headlines and applying the mind of Christ, we could actually begin to have a conversation about how do we press on those levers to really change the world. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians— Reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Hey, thank you to those of you on the text line this morning, 877-933-2484. Andrew, I am right there with you. I, too, have been an overachiever in terms of pepper picking. In fact, I have picked pecks of peppers in the past. Uh, quite quite, quite a good pepper picker. And then I realized, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm angry uh, about the wrong things, um, and it doesn't help. And so uh, getting beyond pepper picking to actually... Uh, salt, salting, being the salt, being light. Uh, that's the uh, that's the major shift, not only in thinking, but in living that takes place when a Christian begins to get it, that it's not what happens on the surface that matters, it's what lies beneath. And how do we um, not only live the deeper life, how do we live as Christ in the world today? Um, no longer my life to live, but his to live in and through me. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, how do we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day? So let's just pick one and and uh, and unpack it. So five pro-life activists were found guilty of FACE Act violations in D.C. The underlying 
or the story here, the surface level story, like what is happening on the surface. These five individuals um, took seriously their sense of God's calling to speak for those who cannot speak, speak for the voiceless and bring justice for um, those who uh, whose lives were being taken through abortion. Um, and they engaged in something that the federal government views as illegal. All right. So um, preventing a person from getting a legal abortion, that would be the uh, the FACE Act violation, even though um, there was clear evidence that this particular abortion clinic um, was not going to save the lives of infants who were born alive in botched abortion procedures. And uh, this is a place where fairly late term abortions were being practiced. So um, the the FACE Act uh, violation here is is a federal, you know, it's a federal law. What's going on beneath the surface? Well, beneath the surface, what's going on is that Christians are putting themselves um, in harm's way, sacrificing potentially their own freedom um, incarceration, willing to endure incarceration, to stand up for um, something they believe is absolutely right. Did they break a law to do it? If this judge found them guilty. So in, in the view of the law of the land today, they were found guilty of breaking a federal law. Did they cause anyone physical harm? Um, I do not believe so, although that is one of the things that uh, that the jury had to decide here. Um, was there some kind of, quote, oppression or, quote, some kind of intimidation um, that uh, that took place? Because here's the challenge, right? We, have, we, walk, we walk a um, a narrow road and a thin line. And there are times that you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of the law of the land in order to be on the right side of... Um, of what God's called you to do. I recognize that. I mean, look at all the, I mean, Peter and Paul spent a lot of time in jail um, and um, suffered the consequences. Many Christians have suffered the consequences of standing up for what they know to be right in the eyes of God, although wrong in the eyes of the land in which they live or the government uh, authority of the day. So um, words matter. Life matters. Children matter. Um, Language matters. Ideas matter. The worldview matters. So is that a a person? Ultimately, that's the question. Is that a person? And is a person's life being taken? And if a person's life is being taken and and I'm aware of it, what am I called and charged to do? The Fifth Circuit Court has approved restrictions regarding sending abortion drugs through the mail. This is good news. This is a good decision. We should um, we should point at this and we should say that is very, very positive. Again, the storyline here is the storyline about abortion. It's about life and death. It's about the gift of life. It's about the reality that every human being is knit together in their mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. God is the giver of life, and God is the only one um, who can take it away legitimately. There's a worldview operating every single time we have a conversation about abortion. That is a worldview conversation. And we got to use words that are meaningful and true and language that is honest, and we got to tell the story. You got you to keep telling the good, good story, that life is a gift of God, that God is the maker of human beings, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that every single human being is an image bearer of the living God. That's got to be our story, and that's got to be the story that we tell.
There is no unwanted child. God wants them all. Michigan parents um, are suing a school district for a secret policy of allowing boys to use girls' restrooms. What's the underlying narrative here? Again, this is a there's a narrative of confusion operating here. Um, there's also a, a confusion about whose kids these are and um, and who who has the right to know what's going on with our kids um, when they're at school. So you cannot allow um, whatever the storyline is that others are are using. You can't you can't be confused by that. Yeah, you got to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, you may have to go to court. Yeah, you may have to sue your school district. I mean, but to be a good parent means you care about your kid and that she knows who she is and that her rights are not violated um, in order that someone else who is deeply confused and conflicted um, uh, has the freedom to do things in front of her and ultimately to her that that are harmful to your child. And so you are the parent. Stand up. Be the parent. Take responsibility. Um, that child is is entrusted to you. It's a sacred trust by God. That's God's kid entrusted to you for their welfare and care. That's the storyline. That's the language of parent and child. That's the language of fam- familial responsibility, the building block of human society that God created. That's the worldview we got to keep. Um, we got to keep advancing and putting forward. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We got to take a moment here to go upwards with Max Lucado. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment: Do you see what I see? And can you sing the Christmas carol in the middle of the summer or on this last day of summer? Do you see what I see? Said the night wind to the little lamb. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. uh, Now, Paul Perot, faithful, faithful friend and fellow servant of the Lord here producing the show today, as always. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I I said it was the last day of summer, and you wanted to clarify. <laughs> it's the last day of what kind of summer? Meteorological summer, because yeah, the meteor the, mm. the the weather people, the guys, the weather National Weather Service, they do things starting on the month. So tomorrow, mm. September first, is the start of meteorological fall or autumn. What are the other ones? Well, there's the astronomical, which has to do with. Like mm. the astronomical fall starts when there's the autumnal equinox, which is like September twenty first or something. I like, like the that. word autumnal. Yeah. The other one right. is phenomenological. <gasps> phenomenological, astronomical, and meteorological. Yes. These are your words for the day, there brought you to you by the letter P, Paul Perot. <laughs> I like that. All right. So, um, whatever day, uh, whatever whatever day this is, last day of summer, August the thirty first. Here is my question: it's, This is a little bit of Christmas in on the last day of August. Did you see the moon last night? Um, if not, you might still be able to run outside and catch it. It was so bright. It was so bright. You could read a book. You could absolutely read a book by the moonlight last night. It was so bright, um, and that was just such a wonderful reminder of the reflective power of light. And so let your light so shine today before others. Absolutely. Like be that reflective power today for sure. But I want to ask you here um, a little Christmas question on this last day of August. Um, And so the question is, do you see what I see? And again, that is a surface level question, but it is also a question about what lies beneath. So said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star dancing in the night. With a, ta- with a tail as big as a kite, 
said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear ringing through the sky? Shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? A song, a song high above the trees with a voice as big as the sea, said the shepherd boy to the mighty king. Do you know what I know? In your palace warm, mighty king, do you know what I know? A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold, said the king to the people everywhere. Listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. Friend, let your light so shine before others today that um, others would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. Um, Every day, every day is a day that you and I can point beyond the surface level things. Um, The stars in the sky, um, the birth of a child, And we can point to the reality of who God is, his goodness, his grace, his mighty power to transform um, contemporary reality and bring it closer and closer to his glory. Hey, our friend Mary Jo Sharp is going to come back. We're going to talk about confident Christianity and darkroom faith. This is a part of our ongoing conversation about helping young people develop a godly, uh, biblical, redemptive worldview Um, And so let's talk about Dark Room Faith and that video series next here on Mornings with Carmen. Really fun to have Mary Jo Sharp back with us today. You can visit with her at uh, Confident Christianity or MaryJoSharp.com. We're going to talk a little bit today about uh, Dark Room Faith and the video series. Mary Jo, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. It's so good to be back with you. Thank you so much. So this conversation is really kind of a part of something we're trying to do during the course of this week, and that is encourage and inspire, um, you know, people who might be like me in, you know, in midlife um, to reach into or reach across a generational divide and really make ourselves accessible as mentors to disciple younger, um, younger people. And so that made me think about the Darkroom Faith video series at darkroomfaith.com. And I thought, let's get Mary Jo back. Let's have her remind us about Gen Z um, and the questions they're asking and how we can help walk with them um, in this particular season of life. Perfect. That's perfect. All right. So Gen Z, who, who, who is Gen Z? Who are Gen Z? And, um, and, you know, how as I, how as an adult Christian, can I sort of invite myself into a relationship with a person in this age group? Yeah, yeah. Gen Z is our current student population, you know, so you're looking at the kids in public school as well as in, uh, going to college. And, uh, you know, the millennials are moving into their young adulthood now. So we're, we've got this generation who um, they are digital natives. So they've never been without the internet. They've never been without all of these multiple forms of digital media that we have today. So this is a, it's a very interesting group of uh, people because they have had access to more information and and really been inundated with information more so than any previous generation. And that's, that's a lot for them to dig through because as you, you know, you're probably familiar, a lot of that information is sketchy. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have to, they're like the first generation that has so much information and yet they have to dig through so much harder to, you know, figure out what is true. What, what are they hearing that's true? What's false? What's propagandist? What's, you know, manipulative, all this sort of stuff. And, and it's, it's a tough age to live in when you have so much access, which 
it's a great thing because they can they can Google almost anything and learn almost anything. But then it's a, it is a difficult thing for them to get to what is true and and like who am I in the midst of this flood of information? Feels like trust then becomes really really important that they could trust me to, um, you know, be authentically who I am and trust me to be a person who might help them discern, um, um. Uh, amidst all of the competing sources of information that are pressing in upon them. So talk about um, talk about that. Talk about the importance of authenticity on my part, even as I seek to make myself avail- available in relationship to people who are younger. Yeah, yeah, that's so important because when we uh, when we were building Darkroom Faith, we actually did these it was like a casting call for Gen Z stories. Like how, what, what are you struggling with? What, what are you struggling with in the church? And what we heard from individuals was that they, they struggle with the authentic, like you're saying, the authenticity of their, of the church leadership. So in this age of information, they, they constantly see the moral and ethical failures of these big time, you know, Christian leaders and it causes that, let alone whatever's going on in their individual churches. And so it causes them to say, like, what, what am I doing here? What is church all about? Um, what's this institution? And so what we found from the like individual students is they are interested more so in living life with a Christian who is actively transforming themselves, like a leader or just an, an older person who will mentor them and show them what it means to live as a Christian and do so from a place of authenticity, a genuine belief in God, uh, um, who are very committed to their own transformation and learning and education about God. Yeah, so that's with, like I I need to be a person who does not appear to think I have arrived. Like I'm, I'm you know, I'm a mature disciple and, <laughs> you know, and now I'm going to pour all of my life experience into you. No, this is a um, I think somebody else would use the language withing, like, right, this is me with you on the part of the journey you're currently on. It's probably, in all likelihood, um, a patch of ground that I have tilled before. But I also recognize that as life is dynamic, you never step in the same river twice. And so as I'm walking with you right now, I'm I'm stepping on ground that is new and different for me as well. We're both learning. We're both disciples um, we're both on this discipleship journey at the same time, even though at different ages and stages, maybe of our um, of our depth of experience with God. Absolutely, yeah. That's I mean that's beautiful because that's I think that's what the students in Gen Z this authenticity is so important because of their inundation with information and that search for well what is true and how do I recognize it or know it. And so seeing a person living a beautiful Christian life authentically is just so powerful. So it's not, you know, one of the things that we were trying to do in apologetics was we were trying to answer their questions. But, you know, we're not just trying to give them a set of facts like here, I have this set of beliefs, you know, like I own a car. You know, what? in other words, what do those set of beliefs actually do for your life? You know, it's not just something you have like a house or a car or possession, so your Christian beliefs should be a you know, huge impact on your individual life, uh, our individual lives. And so the students, Gen Z, are specifically looking for that. And it, you know, we all have looked for that. But mm-hmm. because of their, their generation, um, with what they're dealing with, with the pandemic and the, you know, sort of the instabilities that they have seen 
as a result, you know, financially, as far as um, just even being able to go to their schools, right? Because of the pandemic just disrupted all of their lives. And so um, I think that that sort of the stability of a well-lived Christian life, that's not perfect, but is consistently transforming unto Christ and intentionally so is such a powerful testimony to uh, a Gen Z student. And not again, not as an institution or an organization, but us as individuals caring for individual Gen Z people. Mm. So if you're listening right now and you've ever experienced doubt or you've ever found your way out of darkness to light, if you have ever um, struggled with sin, if you've ever wondered, um, you know, is it possible that maybe I'm an atheist if I believe these things about science and, um, and those are in conflict, it feels like they're in conflict with what I'm reading in Scripture. If you've ever suffered, these are exactly the same kinds of things that Gen Z are dealing with, and these are the subjects of the episodes at Dark Room Faith. So we want you to check it out, darkroomfaith.com. We're going to continue our conversation with Mary Jo Sharp. Um, about this topic. You know, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? Um, what do you think younger people, we're talking here about teenagers and and students in college, what do you think they believe that you don't believe? And what do you think they think you believe that isn't accurate either? We got to be talking with one, one another across generational divides, and this gives us a tool to do that. Darkroomfaith.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Mary Jo Sharp, Confident Christianity is her ministry. Dark Room Faith is one of the resources she is excited about, DarkRoomFaith.com. It's a um, way of engaging next-generation Christians in real conversations about the real questions they're asking. Sometimes um, we we tend to offer answers that young people are not asking, and we wonder why they're not listening to us. Well, it might be because we're not listening to them. So this is an effort at listening to, um, to younger people and then seeking to bring resources to bear. And it features young people, um, and it's got great training videos for you as well, darkroomfaith.com. Mary Jo, let's um let's jump into like maybe a particular question um that a, a student might be asking, like a, a question about suffering. I might be tempted out of my apologetics training to, you know, give the um evil exist because speech, like right? But you <laughs> address the reality that like that's never going to satisfy the emotional pain of a person who's witnessing or experiencing suffering right now. Yeah, definitely. And so um, I like what you said. You just want to jump into that apologetics answer. Um, And I think there's so much value to those answers, you know, just having that knowledge, that background, because that gives you the confidence to speak about it. But at the same time, 
again, as you said, the individual experience of suffering, which these students know well, again, going back to the fact that they lived through a pandemic, uh, they do know about pain and suffering. And uh, that that like and that's just one one thing. Right. Because there's other so many other issues that our students are dealing with. And so when you're you know engaging anybody um, at all, whether it's Gen Z or not, but somebody who is asking you a question about the problem of evil, this problem of pain and suffering, you got to remember that it's com- usually coming from a place, almost always coming from a place of personal experience. So this is coming out of something has happened, and I'm trying to work through why that is. When you say that God is good and that you know He's He's all the omnis, He's omniscient, so He knows everything. He's all powerful and He's all loving. And so, how do I reconcile my experience? with that kind of being. And I think, you know, engaging in this question, you should, you, people shouldn't be afraid to engage in this question. They should be on this exploratory path with their fellow human beings, whether they're 15, 12, you know, 50, whatever the age is, uh, we should all be on that path because we don't have God's knowledge. We don't have that perspective on the world. So we don't always know why an individual suffers, even though we have lots of theology and philosophical resources to discuss it. That's so good. Um, when I when I think about engaging across the generation, like, right, reaching either a generation up or a generation down, um, I'll just confess that, right, most of the people that I have the opportunity to influence at this stage of my life um, actually are related to me, a generation up or a generation down. Um, it's a little scary to imagine trying to develop a relationship that's a generation, you know, down, like younger with people who are not related to me. And and I'll just confess, it's because they come with messy lives, like, right? So can yeah. you talk about that? You just talk about the heart of inviting the whole person. Like, it's not, it, it's not going to be satisfied with um, an hour uh, you know, of an event, inviting them to a one hour meeting at the church once a week, that's not messy enough. That's not integrated enough. That's not life on life enough for the reality of discipleship today. Yeah, I think that's the, I think if you get at the root of the scary part, one of the reasons would be um, that it involves entanglement with the mess, <laughs> yes. right? That's that's the problem is um, we know our own background, our own messiness. And we're like, wow, this is, you know, this is somebody who's dealing with this. And uh, it's hard to get enmeshed with that, right? It's hard to get ourselves involved with that. We tend to want to protect and defend ourselves. But I think, it, you know, when you look at taking a God perspective on the people around you, about how he greatly loved them and he loved them unconditionally, you know, opening ourselves up to being there for people who really need us, even though their lives are messy, um, and sharing with them out of our own pre, you know, previous mess and current mess, sharing with them our lives and how um, maybe we don't have all the answers, but a lot of times what's important about the mentorship, you know, getting involved with younger people is that when you're older, you have more experience with the mess. And I think, uh, you know, you should you should understand that's okay. Like you have experience with the mess. So you have something that you can offer there. Uh, even if you feel like uh, I'm, I'm worried about engaging with others, um, I maybe I don't want to get entangled. Maybe, you know, just being obedient to take a step in faith uh, in God to trust him with this person and with their mess and offer what you have to offer your experience. Um, and maybe you have some knowledge. 
Maybe you have some apologetics. Maybe you have some theology. Maybe you have a background in therapy or counseling. And so you have some language to offer. I, I just think maybe trusting God with this person and with yourself and this engagement is so important. Darkroom Faith is a 14-episode teen apologetics series. You can find it at darkroomfaith.com. Um, we are we are facing um, a massive exodus of young people from, um, you know, what we have historically understood to be the church. But many of them are believers. They just don't, um, they're just not connected to us and to the institutions of which we have been a part over time. So um, are you interested in helping to, like, turn the tide and re-engage with the next generation. This is a wonderful opportunity to do that, and the equipping resources are available for you as well, training videos for you as a leader. Um, We really do want you to consider this week um, becoming equipped and inviting yourself into a friendship with a person who's a generation younger um, and invite them into a life-on-life discipleship experience. And Darkroom Faith will give you some resources with which you can do that, in a, frankly, in a way that's not scary because they already engage in this way by using videos. Like you can, you know, you can text them one and say, hey, what do you think of this? Just wanted to get the conversation going. Or, hey, I saw this and it made me think about you. All kinds of really great resources available for you um, and your use at darkroomfaith.com. Mary Jo, thank you so much for joining us again today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for um, letting people know about Dark Room Faith and this video series that they can, and curriculum that they can use fully free uh, and fully available online to help with all these difficult questions and uh, the mess of our youthfulness and our adulthood, honestly, the questions that we struggle with in our culture. Yeah, it's really so good. You guys can also connect with Mary Jo, maryjosharp.com. Her book, Why I Still Believe, one of my favorites, if you're looking for one, um, answering the questions of not only what we believe, but why we believe it and why we still believe it. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Is it summer where you live or is it fall? Mm -hmm. This seems like a simple question. Is it summer or is it fall? Um, so I have, uh, I have learned a few things, uh, in the last couple of minutes, meteorologically, mm -hmm, meteorologically speaking, you're using big words again here. I know I'm going to use, I'm going to use big words because you challenged me, Paul Perot, to use some big words, meteorological, astronomical, and phenomenological. And we are going to use them all. And we are going to learn now what they mean. Meteorologically speaking. So this is classified by the annual temperature cycles. So they just divide the year into quarters. This seems the simplest one. So the hottest three months in the Northern Hemisphere are June, July, and August. That means that, meteorologically speaking, summer runs from June 1 to August 31. So meteorologically speaking, today is the last day of summer. There you go. And that means that tomorrow, um, meteorological fall begins. Astronomically speaking, fun to say, right? Party for your mouth. Astronomically speaking... Uh, That means it's classified by the Earth's orientation to the sun, measured by equinoxes and solstices. I didn't even know that you could pluralize solstice, but there you go. Solstice. I I know it would have been solsti, but anyway. Solsti. I don't know. (laughs) That's why it's underlined in red on my page, because it's not right spelled right. Okay, so um, that means that astronomical summer ends 
and astronomical fall begins at the midpoint between the summer and the winter solstice, solstice, solstices, I don't know, uh, June 21 and December 21. That means that astronomically speaking, summer ends on September 22nd and astronomical fall begins on September 23rd. That sounds a little more reasonable based on the temperature some people are experiencing this week, which brings us to the phenomenological question. Phenomenologically speaking, which would be a great Scrabble word if you got all those letters. I don't even know that there are that many L's uh, available in a Scrabble uh, set. Phenomenologically speaking, which means it feels like to me. So this is like, this absolutely feels like the measure most of us use. Does it feel like summer or does it feel like fall where you are right now? So I contend that I, Carmen LeBurge, have entered phenomenological fall. Because where I live, it's it's feeling like fall today. Paul Perot is being left behind, facing the prospect of 100 degree temperatures this weekend. I have left Paul behind in phenomenological summer. Thank you very much. There you go. There is is one more determiner of when fall starts. And that's when they see my shoulders. They have just slumped. (laughs) I thought I had covered them all. What is left, Paul? Well, it has to do with the sale of pumpkin spice lattes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, when does that start? Does well, anybody that know? That started. That that was, I think, uh, a couple of weeks mm. ago. Dunkin' Donuts already was selling. It's just crazy, crazy. Of course, I'm Pumpkin a purist. spice latte calendar. Yeah, well, I'm a I purist. Bet, first I bet there off, is one. First off, I don't do lattes. I don't like pumpkin mm. spice lattes. But pumpkin spice, other stuff, bun, you know, uh, rolls or what do you call it, you know, muffins or whatever, I'm all for. But mm-hmm. not until the day after Labor Day. That's That's mm. pumpkin spice opener. Yeah. Okay, well, apparently pumpkin spice opener for many people um, now because, you know, there's a flurry of activity letting me know things. Uh, August the 24th was a pumpkin spice uh, opener. Ah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know based on it's based on what Labor or based Day. on who, but there Labor you go. Okay, it's good to know. So, it's a little bit like no Christmassy things until the day after Thanksgiving. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's another conversation for uh, for another day. But I, I love Advent and the Christmas season, so you and I should start planning for it now. Oh, I already have been. Oh, good. <laughs> the other thing, Paul, that you and I should be planning for is fall fundraiser. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let's do this. Let's do this. So fall fundraiser, for those of you who are listening and you didn't even know this is listener-supported radio, like, th- so Faith Radio is a part of uh, Northwestern Media, part of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, which is just a big ministry. And we just want to advance the gospel, and we want to let people know about Jesus. And so if we serve you in that way, we would invite you to help us serve others in that way by becoming a a part of the financial support team. And we do that through these on-air fundraisers, uh, one week in the fall, one week in the the spring, and a couple of days in the Christmas season because you're all in the giving spirit. Uh, But you don't have to wait. We're going to just do it the whole month of September a little bit. And so if you give early in September, that'll give us the opportunity to share your story, your faith radio story with others and inspire them to give during um, the official fall fundraiser, which comes, yeah, I don't know, late in September. So there you go. On the phenomenological calendar, it already feels like fundraising. There you go. There, I, so I'm just phenomenologically speaking now. And now I have a little party in my mouth. All right. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Beverly in Connecticut says 61 feels like fall here. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. All right. Pumpkin spices all around. Another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. 
If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.